I'm in the stands at the Chase Center. And we're doing a crossover episode right now after the Wizards 124, 110, 110 win. I'm Fred Katz. I cover the Wizards for The Athletic, and I'm with uh, Anthony Slater. Hello, and welcome back to another edition of the crossover Warriors All-82 podcast. That's how I start my podcast, so I had, felt like I had to <laughs> keep the streak alive. As the Warriors kept the streak alive tonight, nine straight losses in Chase Center, eight of them by double digits, three of them by 30 points. Not the sparkling debut for this majestic arena that was expected by Joe Lacob. He's still sitting there, though, uh, fist pumping during the game. Eric Paskowitz to put back dunk to cut it within 12, and Lacob's up. <laughs> <laughs> it's been quite the season. Quite quite the season for both these teams. Uh, Bradley Beal, 34. I can't believe Bradley Beal only had 34 points. If you told me seven minutes into this game that Bradley Beal was going to have 34 points, I wouldn't have believed you. Well, they started throwing a bunch of guys at him, which also opened up Davis Bertans, who had quite a second half. So, um, yeah, you know, I mean, you know how the NBA works. You're going to adjust. You're going to adjust to a, a scorching hot shooter uh yeah what do you have 22 in the first quarter i would have guessed he was on the way to 40 um but it was it was an easy 34 he had tonight oh it was a really easy 34 he went seven for nine from three because he got hot he hit five threes in the first quarter he and he and davis bertans combined to go 15 for 19 from three first wizards teammates ever to each uh to each make seven threes in a game and and this was an, an historic game for Beal, because Beal has now scored 25 points in 18 consecutive games, which breaks Walt Bellamy's franchise record for consecutive 25-point games, set back in 1962, which is, like, kind of crazy that no one has done that as a wizard. Since, they, like, you think Gilbert Arenas would have done that or something at some point. Bernard King during his, during his bullet season, like, you would have thought somebody would have done that. And 62 is, like... That's the year of the crazy scoring records. That's the year of Wilt averaging 50, scoring 100, Oscar Robertson's triple-double. It's crazy that lasted for 58 years. What's he averaging uh, on the season now, point total? Near 30, right? Over 30. Over 30. He's second in the league now. So, I mean, I know, like, the whole, like, all-star snub was a big deal. Beyond that, like, if you were just starting a team next year, is there is there 12 guys you'd take over him? I mean, you, obviously, I mean, like, there's the top of the list guys. You definitely with the Giannis's, the Doncic's, uh, some of those guys. But, like, I mean, he's, what is he, age-wise now, 26, 27-ish? 26. 26, like, 30 a game. And, like, I know he hasn't been good defensively this year. I know the Wizards are 30th ranked defensively. But I also know that's just, that that's not because he doesn't have defensive talent. Like, I know the Warriors aren't going to get him. I know the Wizards are Obviously, like trying to you know keep him locked in long term, and in that situation it seems like they're in a pretty decent state of their partnership right now. But like him and like a, I want to see him in a winning playoff situation because we're talking about a guy who I think in a winning situation around really good surrounding you know top level talent would be like a twenty an efficient twenty six point per game score that would be a very good defender on the other end. He'd almost be Clay Thompson, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. The Clay Thompson that is a three-time champ. Uh, I mean, he's like has that kind of talent. We just have never seen him in a Clay Thompson type situation. Clay Thompson obviously drafted eventually into the perfect type situation for him. I mean, he is that type of talent. Well, so the conversation around Beal's defense this year, he actually kind of alluded to it after the game. He talked about how how people mark him as the worst defender in the league, and that was a reference to the fact that he is last in defensive RPM this year. Brad already is like 
out on the analytics conversation to begin with. So I am most certain he's out on that conversation. But, but you'd say he's played, he's played poor defense, right? Of Just course he's played poor defense. But the thing that you need to have that always needs to be in the poor defense discussion is the context of the poor defense. So he's played poor defense, and it's been poor enough that it makes me wonder, okay, what kind of level is he going to get to? Because he hasn't so much of defense's habits, and I – the thing that concerns me is, okay, let's say the Wizards get back next year to playing competitive basketball that really does matter, and they're not going to play this, like, ridiculous up and down, absolutely no defense, try to score as much as possible defense, and they actually are a low playoff seed or whatever it is. How much of the actual habits transfer over? The the leaving the arms by the sides, the just kind of allowing for scramble plays, the 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 not rotating when you're supposed to rotate, that kind of stuff where it's – where where the the poor effort can turn into habits. And that's the thing that concerns me. But that being said, you need to put the into context. Like, we can talk about him as a poor defender, but there's a reason why he's been in discussion as the worst defender in the league. It's not because of his physical abilities as a defender. It's because of the context of the situation and the fact that they're just not on a good team. And this tends to happen with star players on not good teams. Look at Draymond Green right now. He's had a bad defensive season. Uh, he's had a very bad season. He didn't play again tonight because I think he's kind of waiting for Steph Curry to come back because he was pretty much over not playing with Steph Curry. Um, and that doesn't mean – like. Even though Draymond, I mean, I don't know where he is on real defensive, real press minus, but Draymond Green can, is not going to be where he was in past years, um, and that doesn't necessarily. I do think, yeah, he's he's physically declined a bit, but most of it is just like he knows they're going to lose most of the time. He has suppressed his competitive nature this season. That is what makes him a good defender. The, the brain, his very smart basketball brain, has to care about the game. Uh, for him to fly around and do all the stuff. And, you know, he needs some of the surrounding talent. Like, hey, I'm going to go maybe take a risk over here because I know Andre Iguodala is going to, you know, slip in behind me. Uh, and that's what made Draymond Green so, you know, electric. Bradley Beal, to me, could very easily be a terrific defensive component of a top five, top ten type defense. Um, but he has to be willing to do that in the future. You can't blame him for this season, but, you know, he ha- he would have to take it upon himself if they get the right you know talent around him, which I don't know. I mean, like the Wizards to me, the problem is they seem far away from like having the right components. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the thing is that they want to re-sign Bertans. I've made this point on this podcast before many times. They want to re-sign Bertans. You commit to Bertans, they're going to have mid-level exception to work with this summer. They're going to have other certain things to work with this summer. Small cap tools and that's it but this they're gonna be over the cap i mean this is pretty much your team you're gonna have a first round pick where it's gonna be like a kind of high pick and a weak draft and 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 that's kind of it you'll have the biannual and 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 then you kind of move forward but these are your key guys and if you got bertons out there hachimura out there beal out there thomas bryan or mo wagner whoever that center might be they're just there aren't defenders around them you know they're just not there and that you need other defenders to like defend like you know, you yeah, need to feel like you're part thing. of a unit. Yeah, um, you which, defend on a string. That's that's the expression, right? You defend on a string. You want the string to unravel. There you go. Um, what do you think of the uh, the muted buzz of the non Steph Curry return that was supposed to be the Steph Curry return? There was like random like national reporters peppered in that you knew were like, oh, they're here. Like, oh, why did I book <laughs> this four days ago when we thought he was coming back? And, you know, like I can see a TV, a Bay Area TV guy over there doing a stand-up that he wouldn't have been here if 
the expectation was and Steph's going to return. He's over there like, oh, do I talk about Eric Paschal? Like, who's asking about Michael Mulder in the postgame? Like, eh, Michael Mulder might get a second 10-day contract. And it's just – from somebody who this is your first time visiting Chase Center, yeah. which, it, I mean, it is a spectacle here. Yeah. Um, and you're used to the Warriors being what they were. Is it kind of funny to walk in here and you're looking at a 13 and 47 team that has two 10 day dragon benders starting and boulders <laughs> coming off the bench and half the rest of their rotation were you know 10 day contract guys. Their best player tonight is uh, a second round rookie, Eric Pascal. And I mean, I know Steph's at least in the building and on the bench, but is it wild to see the state? I, it's a temporary state for these Warriors, but woo, it's yes. quite a state. It was it was funny to see the national reporters come in and be like, "I thought Steph was coming back. Uh, what am I What am I doing here right now?" Yeah, NBC <laughs> had Tom Haverstroh fly in, just you know, purely to like you know be on both broadcast. They're like, "This was the this was an event." And NBC was pumped because they're like, "Wow, he's coming back on a non national TV game." Now it seems if all goes well, Monday in Santa Cruz, uh, he's not going to play Tuesday in Denver. But the expectation. Again, if all go, I'm not reporting, although some people said I was reporting this, if all goes well, the expectation is he will against the Raptors on Thursday. That's a TNT national game. And then ABC Saturday night against the Sixers. That's rough for, that's rough for the local NBC, which was hyped about. You know, every team has had rough year ratings-wise. This was at least going to be a random boost late in the season. And um, you can tell the crowd. There, it was even more... Ah, oh, tonight because it was like they thought they were. I, I had a friend who I know was in the building, and he he bought a ticket yeah. when he thought Steph was coming back, and it was like, oh, I'll still go, I'll still have a good time, drink some beers. But it was like, oh, it, it was more disappointing than just coming and, and already knowing Steph right. wasn't going to play. That's true. That's gotta suck. You buy tickets as a fan, you think he's Secondary coming back. It went up too for about forty-eight hours. Oh, I'm sure he hasn't played in months, and then all of a sudden, he's out again. You're not getting them. That's yeah. got to be so unfortunate. Yeah, no, it was. But you know what? Even amidst this this horrible Warrior season, it's still a good crowd. Like for a 13 and 47 team, it's and, and like I think people forget this because there were so many bandwagon fans during you know basically from the 60, first 67 win season, like 2015 all the way through last year and there were so many bandwagoners as there are every single time any, there is literally any great team yeah. in any sport ever they're bandwagoners that's what happens when you're great people want to root for great fun teams not bad ones uh but like it was it's it's a great reminder of how passionate this fan base was for all the decades leading up to 2015 because i don't think a lot of people realize in like 17 or 18 or 19 like how passionate and and good the Warriors fan base was for so many years, you know? Yeah, and, you know, it's funny. Even the last few years, obviously, like, big playoff games, it, there was hype around it. But the regular seasons the past few years, it's not like that the crowds in-game were super dull, but, like, there was, like, kind of a spoiled nature to, like, they had become a bit spoiled. by Prissy. What, yeah, what was yeah. going on, and it was like, oh, just go to the game, and they're going to win by 15 again. And uh, this year, like... What you have seen this crowd enjoy watching a watching like an overmatched team try to claw back and you know they like played the Lakers the other day uh, two Lakers games ago because they just got blasted by the Lakers by thirty but 
right out of the all-star break they lost by five and like just them coming back was like it was a big thing and i in this i think sets them up for i think this is going to be a electric arena next year because i think it has shown uh you know i guess uh the way they built the arena like it it, it sounds a lot it's a few times this season uh you've really like kind of heard the noise it's felt a little oracle-y with the noise and then it's just it's gonna feel kind of a revengey, you know. I I just think next year setting up when they announce like Clay Thompson on opening night in the starting lineup and steps back, it, you know, some of this depends on what they build this summer and if they are actually good. You have to, you know, can they be a fifty-two win team next year? Uh, but if they are, like I think this is gonna be a good place to come watch a game next year. Yeah, I think that's probably true. Hey, fan bases in general just care about scrappiness if their team is bad. I think fan bases can accept a bad team if it's, like, a fun, scrappy bad team. Well, and also the suffering that comes before. You know, like, the, the problem last year was, like, their Warriors fans got to a point where it didn't feel like they had just previously suffered. I mean, obviously, there was, like, a long-standing mm-hmm. uh, drought. But year five of the dynastic run, I was like, oh, here we're, we're expecting to go to the finals again. So whatever this March game. Next year, I know it's only a one-year thing, but this just, like, suffering of this season. Yeah, reminds make, you of your mortality. Yeah, it will make... I think a more grateful crowd in next December 12th yeah. against the Magic. You know, it's like, oh, there's Clay again. Right. Uh, that type of stuff. So. Well, I'll tell you what. This year's Wizards crowd has been way better than last year's. Because this year's Wizards team, while pretty much having a very similar winning percentage, last year they're actually a little bit worse. Last year's team was 32-50. and 50. This year's team right now is, is 22-37. and 37. About the same. But this year's team is, has gone about it in such a different way. More fun like, style. Too. More fun. A lot of young guys. Guys who play hard. They don't defend, but it's not because they don't play hard. They do play hard. Uh, they, they have a character and a personality as a team. And it's kind of just a bunch of spunky young guys who were fighting their asses off to try to stay in the league. And last year, it was the opposite way to lose. It was a bunch of veterans and there was this prevailing apathy that percolated through the entire locker room and throughout that entire team. And you could sense that in games. I mean, people can tell, maybe not from one individual quarter or something, but when you watch a team play 82 games, you can, when they don't care to that degree and they don't, they don't get along to that degree, they don't mesh, I should say, to that degree, like, you can tell just from watching. And, and that was the case last year, and it was just like the crowds were so uninspiring. It was just like, all right, if... Jeff Green's not going to chase that rebound. I'm not going to yell for him to chase that rebound. And that was kind of it. And this year, when they were, when they were in close games late, it's, like, actually pretty good. Like, it's a pretty good crowd for a team that's, you know, in the state that they're in, you know? I'm So I'm staring across the arena over towards the Bunker Suites, which if you are curious about the Bunker Suites, I can tell you it's, it's, it's a luxurious place in this arena. Eric Pascal's over there getting a little sit-down, very long after the game yeah with the with the local tv guy who's not getting the steph curry interview he probably <laughs> wanted tonight but um which reminds me i kind of wanted to, to ask you about pascal you know 41st overall really came out of the gate strong this year when all those injuries happened early in the season he was he was the guy that kind of led him to their first few like feel good wins i remember he killed the blazers in here at like 34 um died off a little bit as rookies tend to do is like you know the game after game after game comes um, but he, to me, has looked a little, you know, res- his season's been a bit resurrected lately. I think he had 25, three games ago, was really good in a win in Phoenix last night. And, you know, they lost tonight, but, like, 
he he's kind of back bullying guys a bit. I, you probably saw a few of those like rebound putbacks. He had like a three offensive rebound sequence. Um, I'm curious about him next year. He's probably like they tried to fit him in at the three, but him and Draymond don't really fit that well on the court together. So may, I guess he's Draymond's backup four next year. But he's a piece um, and a piece of what I think will probably be you know a fringe contender next year. He's good. Like he's like legit. He's a legit good rotation player. Also, like, how many minutes a game is Draymond going to play next year? Realistically, is it? Don't you ideally like Draymond? Don't you ideally want him at like twenty nine minutes a game, thirty minutes a game, so he can really like go all out? Yeah. Not only that, but probably like sixty six games played too. Yeah. You know? Sure. Like, like let let Draymond go as hard as he can for like twenty nine minutes, and I feel like that's now. Some teams just might not have the luxury of being able to do that. You might need them to play 33 minutes in order to get to where you want to go, get into the playoffs, whatever, depending on next year goes. But, like, I feel like you, if you want to play him fewer minutes, like, he could, he could play 18 to 20 on a, on a good team, I feel like. He's, he's so strong. God, he knocked. Baby Zion. He knocked. <laughs> Zion is baby Zion. Oh, he, oh, my God. You see him tonight? Again? Oh, he's a monster. I hope he he is such a monster. Yeah. What were you saying though? Uh, no, he's just a beast. Like he 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 hit Troy Brown tonight unintentionally. Yeah. Uh, knocked Troy Brown with a with an elbow, and like, I don't know how Troy Brown got back up. Like he's just, he's a strong dude, like a really strong dude. Twenty three year old rookie, just throwing bench press up in the <laughs> weight room post game. Yeah. No, I mean, look, like this. He arrived in NBA-ready body, uh, and to me, he doesn't have, like, a super, you know, tall ceiling ahead of him. You know, I, he's not – he doesn't have a huge amount of upside. To me, he kind of is the – like, he can sharpen up skill. You just – as you get older, you know the league better. Like, you will become a better player from 23 to 26, but um, – he kind of, to me, mostly is the player he's going to be in the league, but he's shown. And that's probably why he went 41, you know. At this point, if they redrafted the lottery, he's probably going like 12, 11 right. maybe. Um, but even if this is who he is, like like we talked about, like, this is a good rotation player. Well, he's, he's a floor guy. He's not a ceiling guy, right? Like floor guys always go later because teams want to shoot for the moon in so many cases. And then you got the guy with the high floor and, and low ceiling, that really small sliver of space where you're like, all right, we pretty much know who that guy is. That guy tends to fall, especially when they're 23 years old. And that's what you got here. But he's good. And he gets a TV interview post game. Look at this. He's still going. I know. This is a long sit down with Eric Pascal post game. It's, it's basically it's, been almost the whole podcast. It's. I think it has been. And it's also like, it's really late. Like, locker rooms closed a while look, ago. Look, you got Ritter over there looming over yeah. it. Like, come on, wrap it up. This is 12 <laughs> minutes watching long. watching the whole thing. Hey, is this going to take up the entire local news? Oh, they're done. Oh, they're done. Pasco looked like he enjoyed it. He's got a big smile. He's shaking hands. I will say they have used him a bunch this year because, you know, like the, the Warriors still has – there's still a lot of attention around them because of the brand that they are. Obviously, you know, there's fewer media members. They're, they've been shoveled off some of the national TV games, but there's still like a need for Warriors content by so many outlets, and there's so few – bright stories around the team and Clay mm-hmm. has completely like 
I'm going on vacation almost every day of the season, so he's in the background, won't talk to the media. Steph has mostly been in the background. Draymond's not doing pretty much any one-on-ones right now. So, like, that's a nightly – like, Eric Pascal has probably done, like, 190, like, different – uh, sit down this year. I remember pregame they were playing New York, and he's from like kind of the New York area. And they had him go on MSG. It was like 25 minutes before the game, and I look and he's he's in the MSG like uh, booth talking to the MSG play-by-play announcer. And I'm like, what are you? What are they doing? This, but hey, there's a reason why Ritter wins uh, PR stack of the year. So. Hey, I'll give you I'll give you a Chase Center nugget, courtesy of John Wall. Uh, John Wall was in the media room at halftime. Yes, he was. It's the first time I've ever seen him in the media room at halftime. Do you want the brownies? They got pretty good cookies and brownies. He wanted the popcorn. That's all. He described, he has he he named the popcorn at Chase Center as the best popcorn in the league. Said he doesn't even need to have dinner tonight because the popcorn is crack. Wow. Uh, he should, I would like to get Steph Curry's opinion on this because Steph Curry is like the, the resident yeah. like popcorn expert. New York Times, did like a, they like literally sent him a list of every arena and like with five different uh i guess categories of like crunchiness saltiness like you know warm is it stale and he like literally went through all all the arenas and like ranked them so we should probably ask steph yeah he might have he might have a home bias though like when i talk about like media dining the beat writers are always more prone to dislike their own media dining because you get sick of it quickly you have it all the time you know so yeah. I feel like he might have a might have a home bias. Maybe that's a story. Maybe you interview. Maybe that's a story we do on the athletic. You interview Steph, and I'll interview John Wall about the popcorn at the Chase Center, and then we run them. I'm in. <laughs> I'm in. First, I want to see Steph Curry play a game. Yeah, we'll see. Coming soon. We'll see when it happens. Uh, anything else before we wrap up? Not from the Warriors side. They're now thirteen. Oh, how about this? They're now uh, thirteen and forty-eight. Uh, four wins behind the Wolves who are losing a ton lately and don't have Carl Anthony Towns um, so they still have that cushion uh, the Cavaliers also at 17 wins so the Warriors are still in absolute prime position for a guarantee you know worst record in lead which is a guaranteed top five pick um, but Curry's coming back I don't think the Wolves are gonna win many more games I don't think the Cavaliers are gonna win many more games and the Warriors play the Cavs in here which might be a big lottery game come i believe it's april 5th so that's kind of what i guess i'm monitoring at this point you i got nothing i'll be back so i'm not podcasting after the wizards next game they play in sacramento on tuesday i won't be podcasting after that one the next episode i'm going to be podcasting after the wednesday game in portland so that'll be up for thursday morning uh if you want to subscribe to The Athletic, if you're just listening to this podcast, either on the Warriors All-82 feed or on the Wizards After Dark feed, you can subscribe to The Athletic and you can get 40% off. Either uh, if you're listening on the Wizards After Dark feed, you can subscribe at uh, theathletic.com slash Wizards After Dark and get 40% off on an annual subscription. And uh, what's your what's your promo? If site? you're so inclined, that same uh, promo, but instead of Wizards After Dark, do Warriors 82. There you go. So you can go to theathletic.com slash warriors82 or theathletic.com slash wizards after dark. It's 40% off on an annual subscription to The Athletic on either of those. Uh, go on iTunes, rate the two podcasts, give it five stars, leave a review. That always helps. When are you going to be back next? Great ad read. 
Um, Denver, <laughs> Tuesday. No Curry again. He's not traveling. Draymond Green is traveling. He might play. Um, like this is a good Denver team. And they don't have many bodies. And they're kind of waiting for Thursday night. So, might be an ugly one. Yeah. Well, like I said, not back after Sacramento. I'll be back, I guess, for Thursday morning. Podcasting after the Wednesday game in Portland. We will talk to you guys soon.